0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: I'm Amy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. While a bill signed by Governor Reeves expands parole eligibility for select violent offenders, Senator Daniel Sparks details a critical aspect of the bill.
2: It mandates a hearing, and it mandates that the victim or their designee has a right to to be heard, not noticed, but heard. So thats I think that's very important if you're going to consider someone for parole. That's not a release. You're going to consider them.
1: Those convicted of murder, human trafficking, or sex crimes are not eligible. And Mississippi is one of three states to see its population decrease in the latest census. But we won't lose any representation in Washington. Former Governor Phil Bryant knows the importance of counting every resident.
3: We tried very, very hard to make sure everyone was counted under the census. Because because of keeping that district seat and those federal funds that are attached to that, for people that are in desperate need here in Mississippi.
1: For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Amy Davis.
5: and specialists near you.
1: In a recent committee hearing, Congressman Stephen Palazzo issued a warning that China cannot be viewed as a future military adversary.
6: They are either our equals or they have exceeded
1: us. And they didn't get to the top by spending. They got to the top by cheating and stealing. And now they're at the top or or beyond. And Amazon is making its presence known in the South. The company announced it is building an additional fulfillment center in Byhelia, creating hundreds of new jobs. This is in addition to a new delivery station coming to Memphis, Tennessee. And hiring is currently underway for the new fulfillment center in Madison County, which is expected to open in September. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show. You get ready now, go get the and it was canceled last year due to the Come pandemic, but Tupelo's Blue Suede Cruise is back on this weekend. Over 650 classic cars are registered, and you can check them out through tomorrow at the Bancorp South Arena. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Andy Davis.
7: Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. Baseball action last night, saw Ole Miss defeat South Carolina 5-1. to The Rebels improved to 29-12, 11-8 in the SEC. South Carolina falls to 26-13, and 11-8 in the SEC. Ole Miss will play two games today, game one beginning at 1.30, 1 o'clock airtime on the Ole Miss Baseball Network. Game two will fall around 6 o'clock. Mississippi State took on Texas A&M last night in Starkville. Had to go to the 12th inning before a walk-off home run, one for the Bulldogs. 8-7 are Texas A&M. Mississippi State now 30-10, and 12-7 in the SEC. A&M falls to 24-25-14. So the Miss split a double headed with rice yesterday losing the first game six to nothing winning the second game 12 to one the golden eagles are now 27 and 14 14 and 7 in conference usa they'll play one game today and one game tomorrow this is sports mississippi
8: want that dream job do you need the right skills and credentials to get there did you know more than two thousand students have taken advantage of the my best program for free contact your local community college to learn more about the my best program take charge of your life and make your dreams a reality by attending a mississippi community college i'm dr andrea mayfield executive director of the mississippi community college board
2: funding for this ad provided by the wk kellogg foundation
7: The NFL draft continued last night with rounds two and rounds three. Only one Mississippi player heard his name called. Ole Miss wide receiver Elijah Moore heard his name called early in the second round Friday night as the Jets took him. 34th overall in the 2021 NFL Draft. The NFL Draft will continue this morning at 11 o'clock with rounds 4 through 7. Several Mississippi players will still hope to hear their names called today. And also, this afternoon, the 147th run for the Roses, the Kentucky Derby, will be run today in Louisville, Kentucky. And it will get underway at about 5.50 this afternoon. It will be the first in the Triple Crown races the 148th preakness will be run May 15th, and then the Belmont, the 154th running for Belmont, will be on June the fifth. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi.
9: Welcome to Weekend Gardening. Your host, the Empress of Everything Green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you.
10: Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is Weekend Gardening. It is May, my friends. It may not be May, it is May. And you know what that means. May means, well, to gardeners anyway, it means caladiums and okra and summer crops and all the fun things that we get to do, well, when it's too hot to do the other things. Yes, the peonies are blooming right now. I know they're beautiful, and they'll be around for a little while. But trust me, it's not going to be long before you're going to be so glad that you know melampodium and portulaca and moss roses and all the summer flowers that we can enjoy so much here every summer. Frankly, in the southeast, we have the really good fortune to be able to garden 12 months out of the year. But summer has its particular joys. I mean, let's face it. What's better than watermelon? Come on. Now, my name's Nellie Neal. I am known as the Garden Mama. It is my great pleasure and a tremendous privilege to be here with you. I can't tell you how much it means to me for you to have me in your ear today or if you're listening to the rebroadcast or if you're just, you know, taking me along as a download. I really appreciate it because it means that you're interested in gardening and you don't dislike alto voices. Now, on that subject... There's always got to be somebody here or you can't hear me. And fortunately, today we have the big kahuna himself, Will East. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Nellie. Thank you so much for
10: being here.
2: uh, I'm going to have some questions of my own.
10: Oh, good. That's fun.
2: For you, because I am a terrible, terrible (laughs) partner. But I want to be better. We can fix that. (laughs) Like most of you, I want to be better. And uh, I'm not afraid to put in the work. So... I think those two combined. Now, those,
10: I, those two qualities go a long way, <laughs> a long way in the garden. Now, you can join this conversation, and I sincerely hope you will. The Supertalk call line is triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. Of course, the C Spire text line is open to you, and I see it's already starting to heat up, 601-879-4395. May Day is, of course, um, a day that has been celebrated as long as there have been human beings and possibly before that, but I don't have the recorded history of it. The first mention of the the Beltane Festival or the whole business of opening the pastures and celebrating the fact that you can let the cows out you know, to go go and graze for the spring all that goes all the way back to mentions as far back as the year 900 so people have been happy about springtime and green grass and being able to let the animals out for a very long time we are not the only ones I'm happy to say one of the questions always um, comes up at this time of the year is what's the difference between planting the caladiums from the bulbs themselves which as we all understand are fairly tender tropical bulbs tropical tubers um and and buying them already in the container with some leaves on them well the difference is about two dollars in three weeks okay it's going to cost you a little bit more to get the plant because at this point you'll be buying the bulbs that would be at the garden center and they'd like you to, to buy them and you certainly have time to grow them in zones seven eight and nine but if you're looking to, say, have a graduation group over at the end of May, you want the plants because you're not going to have time to get the, the the others to get started sprouting and put on enough of a good show. Um, yes, it is true with caladiums. Gorgeous leaves are the whole point. And if the flowers do appear, we need to pop those off because they will go against the energy that it takes to create more leaves. Here's a little factoid. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I missed this in college on an exam and that's why I remember it now there is a tradition of planting caladium bulbs upside down you know tubers are like potatoes they have eyes and if you leave the potatoes too long in the the basket in your kitchen you will see those eyes they will sprout little leaves But it's also true that caladiums have eyes, and so they will be spots on the bulb, on the the tuber itself that you can see are swollen in our eyes. People will plant those facing down rather than facing up. Traditionally, we plant bulbs of all sorts, and I'd use that as the term generically to represent that whole group of plants. We plant those pointy end up. But if you do plant the caladium pointy end down, you will get more leaves, but they will be smaller. And it's just a phenomenon that that basically that they give to early graduate students to test, and I flunked. But now I remember it. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. A rumph. But now I do, at least. <laughs> Thank goodness. James has got some really beautiful, beautiful plants going this morning. I always love seeing his photographs. Um, there's there's petunias and and marigolds just abundance of flowers wonderful things and you're right it is a great hobby there's nothing better than that david's in oak grove today um then yeah you're right they're not looking too good those are some pear trees let me think about what you've got going the worst problem that we can have in pear trees and in other plants that are related to them un is, is is unfortunately fire blight which we you know we to everybody we say fire blight and gardeners just shrink because it's it's so bad but there may be something else so i'm going to think about it I'm, my concern is when we see fire blight generally we see one entire branch and this seems to be on several different pieces of branches i will say and this is not good news either if you pruned in january and the fire blight was already present That's why you're always advised when pruning to take along a a cup, a bucket, whatever suits the the size of the shear that you're using, so that you can dip it in a, a bleach solution in between cuts so that you don't move the disease around. This actually looks like that's what may have happened, that you pruned off a branch, but that branch was contaminated and carried its fungus its spores unfortunately onto these other ones i will pull it up closer and look at it in the break and just make sure that i'm right about that david i'm concerned that it if it is fire by fire blight excuse me it's just going to proceed so my suggestion would be to get a big plastic bag cut off everything that is damaged and an inch behind it on that particular branch dip your shears in between each cutting And let's see what happens in another week or two or even a month. Um, The new growth may come out and be fine. We may be able to get rid of it just with physical removal. But the problem is if it's fire blight, there's not really a spray that will control it. It is one of those things that's either controlled culturally or it's not. Ooh, fire blight. I hate fire blight. Can I ask a question? Of course.
2: Why do you dip your shears in between each?
10: To disinfect them. Ah, kill the spores so that you're not it's the same reason that you wipe down your desk with bleach after somebody else is sat, you know <laughs> with Now That's why we come in here. Now, I will tell you, this 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 desk gets cleaned over and over since all of this COVID stuff, this this studio broadcasting. We used to do that. We were taught to do that. And it's one of the things that in the world we just kinda left out. Everybody used to have their own mic their own microphone bumper. So that you were not putting your mouth close to where somebody else, because somebody might be sick. It's not because you thought you were going to get COVID. We didn't have COVID, but we were trying to keep people that broadcast from getting sick and having to be replaced. <laughs> so nobody likes a broadcaster that gets ill. You, you can't, you know, you have to, you have to stay at home. That's terrible. We can't do that. Nobody li- dislikes that any more than us, but I can tell you nobody here's got allergies now. Nobody here's got anything that they could have picked up and carried home to themselves or their children because we're being so clean. I think that's probably what we should have done in the first place. Now, wouldn't have changed getting COVID, but it certainly informs us going forward in terms of how we do things. And that's that's really all we're about. The world is really just a place for us human beings to learn stuff. Let's face it. You know, we, we have some pretty strong ideas of what comes next and what came before. But what we've got to do right now is here today. That's why we have to choose things like, Cut the damage off the pear tree, ah, I'm so sorry, but do dip your shears in between to disinfect them. You can mix it. you doesn't have to be straight bleach that's a little intense to carry around with you, but um I'm going three to one, some people would say ten to one but that's i think that depends on what kind of bleach you're using <laughs> if it's industrial strength bleach, it certainly can be ten to one but <clears throat> let's face it, the stuff I buy at the dollar stores is not quite that. <laughs> Intense. It's not a mixture that's uh, particularly sanitary. Well, it is sanitary in itself, but you have to use more of it. All right, Paula's in Dentville today. Good morning. Thank you for your sweet words. She's planting her first garden this year: tomatoes and hot peppers and squash and okra. All right, good deal. This is wonderful. Ooh, and she's a full-time dog groomer. Now that's a that's a job, y'all. I know she's watched this. I don't know if y'all have watched Pooch Perfect. But I'm a big fan of uh, of all of those. I mean, I'm a big fan of reality shows where people do something. But I got to tell you, the whole business of grooming and dyeing those dogs—the dogs look so happy. I don't know where they got those dogs. You did that to my dog. She would sit there and be very sad. You know, <laughs> not only would she maybe not even let you do all of that, but they they tie dye the dogs' fur. You know, for summer, and I mean it's just all kind of crazy stuff. It's an art. Just just the notion of clipping the dog's toenails on a regular basis, to me, is an art because you have to do it without hurting them and without the owner going crazy and without the dog going crazy and still in a timely fashion. Good grief, that's a hard job. So I think planting a garden, you're right. It's going to give you some relief, Paula, from all of that, frankly, stress that's got to be in, present in, in the world of running any business, but running a business with live creatures. You know, they always say, If you're getting a role in a movie, don't act with children or dogs because you're going to get upstaged. It's just always true. I think W.C. Field said it first, but other people have said it since. Fun stuff. Well, I look forward to seeing the pictures. I look forward to hearing more about it. And you're right on the right weather, the right time for all of those warm soil crops. That's terrific. I hope that you are... Paying attention to what's going on in that back garden at this time of the year, things can get kind of overwhelmed and you know we're we're I'm the same way I'm out there pulling up every onion that comes up in the front garden, but the back garden's a little bit less seen, so shall we say by anybody else except me and therefore, it doesn't get all the attention. Well, now's the time to change that because right now, while everything's green, everything's growing, everything's lush. You still need to have something when you look out that back door that grabs your eye. That's called the focal point. You don't have one, get one. It can be a seating area. It could be a collection of birdhouses and bird feeders. It, whatever it is your interest is, it can be a tree, all right? But you need something that's going to be that focal point that stays there and keeps that landscape unit intact so it doesn't just seem to be ethereal under your eyes. The, the places you go and look at a garden that you like the most, you go on a garden tour, for example, and you see the things that you really like, it's always going to be something that has some stability to the design something that you can understand is it's planted you know it might be two evergreen trees with a seating area in between them that maybe you know has a birdhouse but maybe doesn't it might just be one big tree with some lovely pots underneath it in the mulch garden below it it could be literally a flagpole now I would want to plant around the flagpole too but you know we need a focal point and if you don't have one right now when you look out the back door it's all green Maybe there's some flowers. That would be great. Maybe there's some tomato plants. That'd be great. But you still need a focal point. We always think about the front door of the house as a focal point and generally build the landscape around it. Or if you're like me. I actually went the other direction because I wanted the I wanted the front door to be less apparent. I don't at that time we didn't have a sidewalk and we have no parking on my road, so there's really nowhere for you to be if you're coming to my house except for the backyard, you know, the driveway and the back end. And the same is true all up and down my street. So now that we've got a sidewalk, well, we're having a little more front yard interest, a little more front door exposure, and I think that's going to be good for all of us because there actually are people walking by, biking by. Um, I saw some guys skateboarding yesterday. It was, it's unusual to see that in our neighborhood. I like it. It's very, very nice. Oh, a good question today came in and asked about um, – it was in my inbox in my email when I got up this morning. Um, the parsley is trying to bloom. What should I do with it? And, of course, parsley will bloom when the weather warms. This was somebody in Ocean Springs the um i I pluck off the first stems and continue using the parsley when you see it you know it kind of changes its look a little bit the stem in the center will thicken and the leaves will get a little bit shorter because it's beginning to modify them into producing the flower head so i'll pluck that out so that it has a harder time going to flower but when it's further down the road, and obviously I'm going to have to do something about this parsley plant, that's when I really want you to freeze the parsley. And it's easy to do. It's just as easy to do as it, as basil is. Chop it up, put it into a small container. I like to use ice trays. You may find that that's either too large or too small for your, your uses. But then you're freezing individual portions You can put them all into a freezer bag, and they're ready there for you to use in anything, marinades or soups or stews, down the way. I'm not saying you can thaw parsley out for fresh eating. That's a little beyond the pale, but it is still full of flavor when you harvest it fresh, and it does help a whole lot. Um, Oh, good. I'm not crazy. Paula says, yes, it is hard, and that those pups have indeed been groomed frequently for a long time. (laughs) It's why they stand there so patiently. (laughs) They are these. I mean, these are the best dogs. My goodness! Oh, and some of the get-ups are adorable. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Oh, let's see. Um, <laughs> you see the reference to your music selections. He doesn't know that I make the music selections, but that's okay. He can argue with me. He can decide to put something in if he wants to. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, you you can another reason for having that focal point, thank you, Ken, is because you'll look at it and, and not your neighbor. So that's a good idea. All right now, let's talk about what's out here. Let's talk about some stuff going on. Do you like coffee? Well, we all know I like coffee. I have I I must say that I have my prejudices and one of mine is why in the world would you drink decaffeinated coffee? Because the taste is okay, but if you're not going to get the caffeine out of it, why would you drink the decaffeinated coffee? Why wouldn't you just drink tea? Or why wouldn't, you know, something else? Well, it turns out that I am genetically predispositioned, and so are you to this point of view. Whether it is all about the caffeine or the, a milk solution, you know, a latte or something like that, whether you're looking for the espresso or the latte, or actually even if you're into decaf, you're actually revealing more, according to this study from the University of South Australia, it, it tells more about your cardio condition than you think. <laughs> Turns out I need to be jump-started every morning and sometimes in the afternoon, too, which is probably not a bad thing. What we don't really understand, they're telling us, is that people subconsciously self-regulate these things. Um, I, Yeah, obviously, you, you're not going to go until you can't, You're not going to drink enough decaf to never be hydrated, and you're not going to drink enough caffeine to end up needing to get hydrated. So all those things have to balance out. But I just am always impressed with any study that has nearly 400,000 people in it, and the University of South Australia managed to do that. Fascinating stuff. Espresso? Latte? Decaf? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going, though. And we're coming right back with more Weekend Gardening. Are you turning 65? Humana can provide answers to your Medicare questions, including, What are my Medicare plan options? Which Medicare plan is right for me? And how do I choose a Medicare plan? Listening, learning, and providing whole health support that meets you where you are. That's what we call human care. To learn more, call 601-605-5130 to speak to your local Humana sales agent.
9: Does your body hurt? Have you tried unsuccessful treatments for plantar fasciitis, tennis elbow, shoulder pain, or IT band? Acoustic Wave Treatment Center offers an affordable non-surgical solution through Acoustic Wave Therapy. The beneficial effects of Acoustic Wave Therapy are often experienced after only one or two treatments. The therapy eliminates pain and restores mobility, improving your quality of life. Call today to schedule your appointment. 601-944-5585. Or go to Acoustic Wave MS.com.
10: Yes, indeed, friends. I don't know if you watch baseball. I know you watch bugs. You're a gardener. But listen, here's the thing. The more we can understand about the way the world works in the insect world, particularly, the better off we are. We know we want the pollinators. We understand we've got to have the pollinators. And frankly, a lot of them are very pretty. So it's nice to have butterflies and dragonflies and one thing and another around in the garden. How do you make that decision, though? When the future pollinator, that is to say the larva, is eating your plant and killing it, well, it's all a matter of degree, isn't it? If, for example, we have beautiful black and green striped caterpillars, the little yellow stripe too, on our butterfly weed, then we can celebrate our success. We have indeed attracted monarchs and we're in good shape, but on the other hand, or, or the parsley plant that's about to be consumed at my house um, and, and turn into a swallowtail chrysalis, that's all right, too. But if that was my only parsley plant, I'd be pretty distressed. So when you're growing things that you want the pollinators, you want to be able to leave the pollinators alone with, plant a lot. Plant extra, plant more, put them in different places around your garden, particularly handy if you're doing that sort of thing in containers. Um, it, it makes a big difference. I'm... The first one to say you know oh what a lovely butterfly and the probably the first one to also say get that corn earworm off my corn plant (laughs) because and yes the corn earworm is pollinated is is a pollinator's baby so to speak a moth's baby but i don't want that i want my corn and every gardener that's why we're not just naturalists we're not just watching what happens we actually are taking steps to make it more beneficial to us and our families and our neighbors, in some cases. Okay, okay. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. You can pop in here, just as Hilda has done from Hattiesburg. Good morning. Thank you for calling Weekend Gardening.
13: Oh, I have some hydrangeas that I think need dividing. When's a good time to divide them and transplant?
10: Well, um, that you wouldn't actually be dividing unless there's, I mean, there, it's not a plant with a crown in the traditional sense of a perennial. It's a shrub. So if it's a really over-thickened plant, is that what you're saying? It's got too many leaves in one place? Well, they're in, a, in flower pots. I, I just moved here and I okay. they're in pots. All right. Well, if there's only one plant in each pot, then you just need to move it to a bigger pot. But if you've got two plants in there, certainly you can take those apart now and pot each one up individually. Are they in flower yet? Uh, just well, just budding. Just budding, it. yeah. So you still got time to do that.
13: Okay, and I have some uh, uh, geraniums. What do I need to do them if they back, kind of outgrown a pot?
10: Well, geraniums are funny, particularly somewhere as far south as Hattiesburg. Um, they're going to bloom beautifully right now. We think of them as a Mother's Day, you know, flower, but then yeah. it's going to get too hot for them in, in a bright sun. So after they finish this round of flowers that they have now is a really good time. If they need to be repotted or, you know, taken and take some cuttings and make, you know, make a few more of them or anything that you need to do, do that work after this big flowering of the springtime and then when you grow them for the rest of the summer, let them grow in a little bit shadier location. This is another of the benefits of growing things in containers. They cannot take direct heat, but come fall, they'll bud up again, and you'll have flowers just as beautiful as can be. They're they're a wonderful plant. We just have to give them a little rest in the summer from the direct heat, sort of like me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't sit out too well either. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's good to hear from you. Welcome to Hattiesburg. One of the fun places we have in, in our our great state. A, geraniums are one of those plants that you you see across the country is the number one seller for Mother's Day, and so many people in the South feel like it's kind of sort of like the easter lily you know it's going to last about a minute and a half and it's may go in the garden may not this or that well the difference with the geranium is that if we just pull it into the shade for a couple of months in the summer it's going to be able to keep growing and do a lot better job and set some buds for the fall it's a nice plant it's one to keep around as long as you can petunias in some cases used to do that we now have much more heat and sun tolerant petunias we don't have to worry so much about that um Somebody asked last week, we were talking about the different slaughterhouse byproducts, the blood meals and the bone meals, and I did forget I wanted to mention one other use. Um, We were talking about putting the, the blood meal particularly on ant mounds that pop up in the vegetable garden. But if you've had ants of any sort in your flower pots, we do think about drenching that with insecticidal soap, or with a pyrethrin solution and then after that if you have a little blood meal you may as well put a little bit on the top of the surface they don't like that either and it will keep them from coming back as quickly as they would Um, I'm I'm not much on the whole business of the ants being in the containers particularly because you got to look up if they're in the soil and you see them on the the leaves at the bottom look up on the top of that whatever that plant is they're probably farming aphids and if they are they're picking the aphids up, putting them on their back, and moving them around and one thing and another. That's making more aphids, okay? So you're going to need to spray the top of the plant as well as drench the soil in that particular um, container. Let's see. Oh, that's lovely. Beautiful Rose Garden in Madison. That's great. Thank you for sending that. Oh, two of my favorite things, Cherokee purple tomatoes and basil. Ooh, that's delicious looking. And I have to say, as one who does like a little bit of garden ornament, I'm very fond of these colorful tomato cages. Um, I, I picked up a couple of them at Buds, at Buds and Blooms with with my daughter. And I, I have to tell you that it's a fun, fun, um, I don't know. There's just something about it. I like the way it looks. I like the difference in it. And I just like the way it, it strikes me. Um, oop, I'm going to have to sign in again over here. I can't see. I'll do that. All right. I'll look at the other clock. <laughs> As you say, every day it's something new. It's always true. Have you been paying attention, friends? Because there's an awful lot of interest right this minute in something that's blooming that we all see. And no, somebody knows it. Somebody else doesn't know it. You know, it's St. Joseph's Lily. It's an amaryllis. But it's the bright red with the white center, okay? And it is the, the streaks, rather, from the center coming out. And it is a plant that has probably been in people's yards um, as long as the turn of the 20th century. I'm not sure what year it was hybridized, but it's very early in the hybridization of amaryllis. It is Hippeastrum. that's the family name of amaryllis, ex johnsonii. Don't, don't I'm not even going to try to tell you the history of it because it's too complicated. But yes, there was a, a Johnson involved. He was, um, I believe, a, a breeder or something or another or a, an introducer. But this particular plant has become the most popular amaryllis for gardens that anybody has ever decided to use because they are so hardy and they multiply so well. So why is it so hard to find one to buy? Well, in part because they are a... Classic um, handed down from one person to another, you know, shared with somebody next door kind of flower. But also because bulbs in, not in flower are much less popular than bulbs in flower. And it's very difficult to get a St. Joseph's lily in bloom right now. You'd have to have started it in March in your greenhouse when you got a whole lot of other things, frankly, that are a lot more profitable for that square foot than that amaryllis would have been. So look for the bulbs. Look for them on things. Oh, any kind of plant swap or or plant um, gathering of people, you know, plant sales and stuff locally. And, frankly, watch for them in your neighbor's yard. (laughs) Aunt Maud may have some, and she may be willing to share with you. We can hope. We can certainly hope. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven is the Super Talk call line. Um, I'm always fascinated by people that have um, different choices. To, oh, oh, you want to talk about aphids? Okay, what what is it that we'll do in the aphids? Well, the best choice for aphids on a plant that you can see the little aphids on top of the plant and there's ants, the best thing is going to be pyrethrin. Spray the plant drench the soil, come back in eight days and do it again because both the ants will go out and the ones that you don't kill will go out and forage and try and bring back more aphids to your plant because the aphids are having a big old time. Your your little tiny plant like that, small tomato plant, has all they need, okay? And any anything like that can get a, a, assaulted, but we think about the tomatoes because we often see the, the ants crawling up and down them. Um, I'm in favor of pyrethrin. You may find it with insecticidal soap or without, Either one is good. Oh, they're beautiful. Lovely, lovely, Derek. Those roses are gorgeous, and so are your irises. So, so pretty. Love seeing those pictures. That's just lovely. Um, let's see. In Madison, thank you very much. There are two hibiscus in pots that are four years old. The leaves look great, but no blooms so far this spring. I fed them recently with 15, 30, 15 um, no, that's perfect. If you're on a sunny patio with um, hibiscus that are that are setting that have beautiful leaves on them, they will be able to set buds. Now, if for some reason they don't, and you you know a couple weeks from now you're still not seeing any bud development on any of those branches, you could think about pruning them maybe an inch just to stimulate that. You know, we don't want to cut off a lot of the plant, but if you just took off the top series of buds, I mean top series of leaves, you might. Push the buds out, and that's sometimes true. Hibiscus can bloom on any of their young branches. They bloom right there on that new wood. So if they're having trouble getting a flower started, it's logical and it does work to take a little bit off to push out some more new growth and a new bloom. All righty. Barry and Kosciuszko, what's going on, sir?
14: Oh, it's just a beautiful day in the neighborhood.
10: You are so right. I
14: I have recently purchased a property that has some mature crepe myrtles. Uh, They've never been crepe murdered, so they're about 15 or 20 feet tall. Mm -hmm. And they've got some kind of black fungus on them.
10: Is it on the branches or, I mean, is it on the leaves or is it on the bark?
14: It's on the bark.
10: Okay. Sadly, um, we do have a pretty serious problem happening in the crepe myrtle world. And some varieties are more susceptible than others. Some areas have it more than others do. And it, it is a bark scale. And it is, it's a very difficult thing to control. I'm gonna, um, I want you to get a publication from the Cooperative Extension, MSU Cares, mm-hmm. MSUcares.com. And just you okay. can you can either search for Dr. Blake Layton or you can search for um, crepe myrtle bark scale. He's got a good publication that explains how it got there, you know, why it's why it's hard to control and what you have to do to take to get a grip on it. But um, it's I'm, I miss Kosciuszko. Say hello to everybody for me.
14: Oh gosh, dot com,
10: and then just search up Dr. Layton L A Y T O N or search up crepe myrtle bark scale
3: crepe myrtle bark scale yes sir thank you so much thank
10: you very much have a wonderful day nice place i have to tell you now it's a tough disease i mean tough fungus it's not necessarily curable when we see black just on the leaves of a plant like crepe myrtle or birch tree or something we know again we've got those aphids and what the aphids can't suck out of your plant they excrete what they can't absorb they excrete it's a sugar substance falls on the leaf below in the sooty mold which i hate to tell you is in the air all the time anyway lands on it and grows and that's because that's why you can take your thumb and slide that stuff off of the leaf unfortunately you can't do that with crepe myrtle bark scale because it's first of all it's on the bark it's you know hanging onto the plant that way but it's also um one of the problems with it is that it is pernicious. And that by that I mean it multiplies and it also increases in its damage. You, if you get there and you, it may just look like black streaks today and in a few months it's all of a sudden it's a whole big patch and then there's little white things sticking out from underneath it, which is it's by the body parts of the thing. That's all very difficult to control. So if you see it first, the, the first step is going to be to wash it off your trunks. And get you know get the trees cleaned and then begin the process of trying to control the, the disease it's the scales um he's dr layton has a real good program for that i have to tell you that once you read it you may decide that you need another tree and i can appreciate that because it's a lot of work it ain't cheap and unless it's a particularly wonderful crepe myrtle that you know you got as a wedding present you probably aren't that committed to it so think about that part there's lots of good choices in trees and frankly there's great there's work being done now to figure out which ones aren't going to be as susceptible we're not there yet we can't give you a list of which ones to to choose but it's definitely true that there's um there's a whole world of work being done trying to figure this thing out because let's face it if there's anything we love it's a crepe myrtle now yeah they're overplanted. We probably ought to pick a few other plant, plants, a few other trees to work in with them. And I think that's part of what we'll end up doing too. Remember Bradford pears? How many of those did you see split last week all over the place? Oh my goodness. Overplanting is a problem for trees as well as tomatoes. Stick around now. We got a long way to go. This is Weekend Gardening.
2: Thank you. The
12: best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Goal Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro. Call 769-208-8283. That's
2: 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283. Pool tables, ping pong, poker, classic arcades, football, sports decor, even kitchen and bar stools. You'll find it all at Game Room Gallery. Game Room Gallery has plenty to choose from during this time you're home to help make many more memories with your family. With specials on classic arcades and pool sticks, too. Let Game Room Gallery bring excitement to any room in your home. Game Room Gallery, Ridgewood Road, just north of County Line. For more, call 601-853-7777. That's 601-853-7777. Online at gameroom-gallery.com.
1: From luxury hotels to homeowners, Bath Fitter in Ridgeland will exceed your expectations. Your beautiful new bath and shower are made with the same high-quality materials used in luxury hotels and installed in as little as one day. Bath Fitter in Ridgeland will provide the bath or shower custom designed you've always wanted with no heavy demo or weeks without your bath area. Visit BathFitter.com where you can design your own bath area and book your free in-home or virtual consultation. BathFitter.com
12: This Mother's Day, make it memorable with a gift of jewelry from DNS Diamonds and Jewelry. Whether she's your mom or the mom of your children, don't let May 9th pass without doing something extra special for the one who gives life and makes yours so much better. From simple diamond cross pendants to the larger diamond studs you know she's always wanted. DNS Diamonds has you covered. Through May 8th, you'll find exciting specials throughout the store. DNS Diamonds and Jewelry, 144 Market Street in Floodwood in front of J.C. JCPenney.
10: You know when you're starting to garden, sometimes enthusiasm is a plus, and sometimes it can kind of get in your way a little bit. Um, I really love this. This is a, on the text line. Of course you can join us there. The Spire text line is six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. This is just adorable. <laughs> Anne's in Oxford. she says, "I very seldom read everything you said, but this is too good. I think I'm in trouble. This is a spaghetti squash that is quickly growing into a Godzilla plant. And I have to tell you, it really is. These are beautiful. <laughs> she's right. What do I do? Well, she can I let it grow out? Yes, let it grow out on the ground. Absolutely. Um you I, if I if it was me and I had this much success with it this far, I would Literally put down something around that bucket that it could sprawl out on, so that I don't have all the weeds in the world. Maybe a piece of landscape fabric, maybe just a a mulch of some sort, just so that you can separate the vine from the weeds and keep the weeds pulled around it. But that's a beautiful plant, and you're gonna you're gonna have spaghetti squash for days. Congratulations! I love that. Really, really pretty. Um, oh, I love this. The t- the tomatoes are forming. And there's a dark pigmentation in the stem of the tomato. Is this an heirloom heirloom variety? Probably is. There's we don't unless we're seeing cold damage that would be debilitating to the plant, and that's clearly not the case here. The darkening on a tomato stem is generally a genetic feature, quote unquote. <laughs> it might be a bug, but it might be a feature. And as long as it's not weak or soft or particularly hard, we we think about plant tissue. Particularly green tissue as being something that you can put your finger on. It's not gonna, your finger's not gonna push through it. It's not gonna be squishy, but it's also not gonna snap. And if it does either of those other two things, if it's soft and like a rot, or if it's so hard that it is turned into woody tissue, then we're in trouble. But otherwise, it's just coloration and it doesn't make any difference. That, that particular pigment doesn't make a bit, a bit of difference. Pretty though. I like that plant. That's funny. I'll be interested to see how the tomatoes come out. Um, and yes, I have indeed. Um, I have indeed bought things just because they didn't have a label in them. I have one of my very favorite trees was a stick in the back end of a friend's nursery, and uh, I said, "Well, that's a pretty good looking pot. What's in it?" He went, "I don't know." <laughs> so I took it home. It turned out to be an althea. <laughs> it's a lovely plant, <laughs> but. The pot was nice, and I needed the pot for something else, so I put the tree in the ground to see if it would grow, and it did. But it's just one of those things that we do all the time. Um, Yes, I am in favor of propane torches for um, weed control. Unfortunately, if the vine is growing in it, you're more likely to torch the vine, too. So, no, I'm not going to use it in beds that are planted. I'm going to use it in areas where I'm trying to clear the area or where I'm going to go, like, for instance, down a driveway or down the the edge of something else that needs to have its weeds controlled. But, yes, propane is fine. Good question about peppers. Oh, Faye, that clematis is beautiful. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, good question about the ghost peppers. Um, and, and are they going to make the jalapenos too hot? Probably, if you have them too close together. The... Um, let me see where that one went. Oh, I'll find it. Anyway, the, if I plant a couple of ghost peppers, yeah, this is Allen up in the Delta. Um, if I plant a couple of ghost peppers, will it make the jalapenos too spicy? Yes, they will cross-pollinate. You need to separate them. Um, opposite ends of the garden is usually fine for that. We we'd think about... You know 15 feet apart if they're in containers put them in two different sides of the porch kind of thing but if they are next to each other yes they will cross-pollinate and sadly what happens most of the time is that the ghost pepper does not get more mild the jalapeno gets more hot so it's not a cross-pollination situation that you want to encourage doug's in west point welcome in what's going on doug Okay,
3: I got two questions I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to hang up and listen. All right. What's the diff- What's the difference between the raised bed soil and regular garden soil? Okay. And I've got about 30 tomato plants. So I've got Marion, Creole, Goliath, Better Boys, Celebrity. Uh, well, they cross pollinate each other
10: or am I not usually um, tomatoes are self pollinating that's why we like to stand next to them and kind of shake the, the cage or the stick that they're tied to because we want that pollen to drop from the top to the bottom it doesn't usually get picked up and carried from plant to plant although some, some places they can um, make that happen I'm sorry you'll have to do that I don't know how to get him off <laughs> he did actually ask his questions and now I'll Try and talk to him. Um, They usually won't do that. That's usually not a problem. The difference between raised bed and garden soil is, quite frankly, why you would make a raised bed. Um, Garden soil is oftentimes the native dirt that's there. We dig it up and we uh, turn it under and use it. And if we need to amend it, we amend it. If we make raised bed, I'm in favor of using some of the native soil like maybe a shovel's depth of it but not the six inches or however deep you can get it to till when you're actually working just the soil just the native soil so I'm always going to presume that the raised bed soil needs some native soil but also has um, other amendments in it it's going to be a better drained soil it's going to be one that is frankly a little bit better able to have less water in it or more water depending on what your area is For example, native garden soils, if you don't amend them, are subject to whatever weather conditions come along. If it's rainy this week and dry next week, it's going to be affected much more than a raised bed where you have added in to that native soil some amended products some some particularly organic matters maybe some sharp sand if you needed some help with drainage different things like that but so that it can handle the water better it won't get rid of it as quickly it won't shed it as fast and it also won't absorb as much of it as quickly as the native soil does yes we sometimes amend native soils but if we're talking about garden soil we're generally using more native soil in a few amendments when we're talking about raised bed soil it's more even. There'll be several kinds of organic matter and the native soil. So it's just different that way. Rick's in Tyler Town. Let's talk gardenias. What's going on?
3: How you doing, I just have a couple quick questions. I'm looking for some gardenia bushes that get large, uh, flower often. They're uh, primable. I'm kind of making hedges out of them. They're mm-hmm. uh, and my second question is: I'm looking for some thornless blackberry plants uh, that do well in this area, also. Okay. So
10: the thornless blackberries that you're looking for, the most popular one is is called Arapaho. It's the name of a Native American tribe. There are other ones, though, but that's the one you're most likely to see in the garden center or that you might be most likely to pop up first if you searched it up. They're delicious. The the fruits are as big as your thumb. (laughs) They're very nice plants, very good plants to have. Um, In terms of the gardenias, gardenias do not – gardenias will bloom over a long period of time once they're mature plants if you're using um, the – For the Gardenia jasminoides, the species of the plant, rather than some little plant that we hear about, okay? In other words, there's some variety names that are cute, but what you're looking for is a good old-fashioned Cape jasmine, the Gardenia jasminoides. That's going to make the hedge, and it's going to bloom all summer, okay? Thank you for calling today. Oh, my goodness. I love this tune. I'm going to let y'all just enjoy it. Stick around, we got a long way to go. But guess what? This is weekend gardening.
0: You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson. Super Talk, Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at baroniestreepros.com.
1: I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. There is vaccine hesitancy, but Governor Tate Reeves stresses that getting the vaccine is the best way to combat COVID-19.
5: The risk of getting the virus and having a very bad outcome is much greater than getting the vaccine and having a bad outcome. He
1: says they will not mandate that every Mississippian get a shot.
5: And we're not going to allow vaccine passports, and we're not going to do these crazy far-left ideas to allow the Biden administration or anyone else, to take over your life. Now, we're going to encourage you to do it. I I urge you, if you have not gotten a shot, go get one today. But I can't make you do that, and I'm not going to because that's not the proper role of government.
1: And Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith is the co-sponsor of legislation to reinstate the right of adults between the ages of 18 and 20 to purchase a handgun from a federally licensed dealer. If passed, it would repeal a law that currently prevents adults under age 21 from buying a handgun. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Andy Davis. In 2019, the Bonnie Carey Spillway opened for just over 100 days, spilling fresh water into the Mississippi Sound, damaging the ecosystem and the fishing and seafood industries. Now experts say Louisiana's planned sediment diversion project could be just as harmful. Dr. Moby Solange, President and Executive Director of the Institute for Marine Mammal Studies in Gulfport, discussed the issue with Supertalk Tricky Matthews on Coast View.
15: It is going to radically change a lot of things, and people need to understand that
1: Mississippi-Louisiana waters are connected. Solange says the two states should join forces.
15: We are, as both states, need to really pool our resources together and make sure that the 31 states upstream that send all their agriculture, industrial, and sewage
1: waste to us do something to mitigate it we should not have to fight this alone louisiana's lieutenant governor has voiced his opposition and two parish councils have voted against the project for super talk mississippi news i'm andy davis
7: From sports mississippi i'm dixon williams baseball action last night saw old miss defeat south carolina five to one the rebels improved to 29 and 12 11 and 8 in the sec South Carolina falls at 26 and 13, 11 and 8 in the SEC. Ole Miss will play two games today. Game one beginning at 1.30, 1 o'clock airtime on the Ole Miss Baseball Network. Game two will fall around 6 o'clock. Mississippi State took on Texas A&M last night in Starkville. Had to go to the twelfth inning before a walk-off home run, one for the Bulldogs, eight to seven over Texas A&M. Mississippi State now thirty and 10, 12 and seven in the SEC. AM falls to twenty-four and twenty-five and fourteen. Southern Miss split a doubleheader with Rice yesterday, losing the first game six to nothing, winning the second game twelve to one. The Golden Eagles are now twenty-seven and 14, 14 and seven in conference USA. They'll play one game today and one game tomorrow. This is Sports Mississippi.
8: to make more money? Do you need a high school diploma? Do you need help fast? No problem. Contact your local community college to learn more about the My Best program. My Best, improving the quality of life for Mississippians. I'm Dr. Andrea Mayfield, Executive Director of the Mississippi Community College Board.
2: Funding for this ad provided by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation.
4: This is Jake Mangum.
7: The NFL draft continued last night with rounds two and rounds three. Only one Mississippi player heard his name called, Ole Miss wide receiver Elijah Moore heard his name called early in the second round friday night as the jets took him 34th overall in the 2021 nfl draft nfl draft will continue this morning at 11 o'clock with rounds four through seven several mississippi players will still hope to hear their names called today and also this afternoon the 147th run for the roses the kentucky derby will be run today in louisville kentucky And it will get underway at about 5.50 this afternoon. It'll be the first in the Triple Crown races. The 148th Preakness will be run May 15th. And then the Belmont, the 154th running for Belmont, will be on June the 5th. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi.
9: Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mama's on the radio now to answer your questions and call you.
10: Hello, baby. Hello, hello. Welcome in. This is a really beautiful Saturday across our part of the world. May the 1st, for goodness sakes. Good grief. Can that be true? Yes. The year is flying. And all the birthday cards that I haven't sent yet for people in May, well, they'll be there. <laughs> Maybe a little late, but they'll be, they'll get there. I hope that you all are still sending birthday cards. I heard from someone the other day that it's uh, a surprise and a joy, and it is something that I still enjoy doing. I hope that you do, too. I particularly like getting them. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, now, our friends at the University of Illinois in uh, Champaign, Urbana-Champaign, are letting us know some more good information. We keep... Uh, everybody worries about the honeybees but what about the bumblebees and they have been worrying about them they have been studying the habitat destruction and uh, making the efforts making a survey of the efforts to preserve wild bees there in the midwest which oftentimes goes directly to prairies to the plants to the flowers that the bumblebees want to have and yes they have found what we have found about so many things. Um, our friend Bombus affinis, the endangered, rusty-patched bumblebee, a cute little devil without a particularly prosaic name, actually is one of those among this whole group that are regenerating in population, resurging, I should say, in population due to the replanting of the prairies. Now, this goes directly not only to the plant choices, the seed choices, and the cultivation but to the not mowing at the wrong time, which all of us who have ever been interested in wildflower gardens, particularly in public places, and pollinator gardens in public places have always had to cross our fingers and hope about. So they're they're putting out some good ideas there. U.S. Geological Survey at Fort Collins and the folks that are involved in the research as well are making sure that they're looking at the way of planting the forests, the flowers around them, the the prairies next to them, particularly, to always encourage our native bumblebees. Jimmy's in Laurel this morning. Welcome in. What's on your mind? Hey, Jimmy. What's in? What's on your mind today?
14: Oh, good morning, Garden Mom. I got two questions I want to ask you. Uh, we're going to talk about setting out these bushes. First thing we ask you: Have, have you heard Miss Sharon lately? I haven't heard her on there in a long time.
10: Uh no, I have not.
14: Okay, well, if she's listening, good morning to you. Come on back. Now, what I want to call I call about garden, Mama. Was I cut these, uh, set out these shrubs in a five gallon bucket about a month and a half ago. I told you I put them in water and let them go. Please, mm-hmm. on them everywhere. I mean, but when I take them out of the jug, the bucket, I don't see no roots dangling down. And now I want to plant set these things out. I don't want to bury them.
10: No, you need to let them root where they are. Put some fertilizer in that water. Get you something you can mix up in the water, you know, a soluble fertilizer. miracle well, Grow, something like teeth. that. No. Lime's not going to do any good in water. I'm sorry. won't make any difference. Okay. But give it a little fertilizer, and that will, if they can root, they're going to get encouraged.
14: All right. It will do. And you all have a great all day. All
10: right. Take care of yourself thank you so much good to hear from laurel always good question from rich um some bell pepper problems there to the leaves are turning yellow and uh dropping off what to do there's every chance in the world that you're encountering the the situation that so many people encounter including me who try to grow bell peppers and that is that we get a really crazy wet period and they get overwatered. whether they're in a container whether they're in the ground doesn't matter and then that uses up all of their fertilizer they are really heavy feeders compared to some other crops and that means that they're going to lower the lower leaves are going to turn yellow and drop off if the plant needs nitrogen the ones in the middle of the plant are going to turn yellow and drop off if it is overwhelmed with water so that'll tell you what what's happening and probably what you need to do as well. Okay, good question. More about um, gardenias, and I don't know a source, but I do agree that they're just magnificent, beautiful plants. Um, raising Clinton, and uh, let's see, we're having to water every day. The 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 hibiscus still look dry, and it's too because there's too much sand in the mix. Well, if you don't want to repot them, then my suggestion would be to get To do two things, actually, to to first of all get some composted manure, either black cow or another product, you know what I'm talking about, it can be cow or chicken or whatever, but a, a composted manure product, put about a half an inch of that on there in the top of the soil and work it into the soil, and then mulch that container with another half an inch of ground bark or whatever you use for mulch in your the rest in your garden beds do that in that container and it will not use up the water as quickly it may not it still may not be quite to your liking and you may end up wanting to repot but it it won't use it up as quickly it's a question we sometimes end up having you know sometimes we end up with a little too much of one thing and not enough of the other and that two-prong approach to solving that problem can often help uh, I remember a, a friend had a very, very sandy bed in the southern part of Louisiana. And the soil there's not usually sandy, but it was in this case. And he decided that he was just going to start, that was where he was going to start composting. And he would go out there and compost in that bed and eventually he had beautiful soil because he was adding organic matters and that sort of thing, making that work a little better than it was. Um, I'm going to work on this question. I don't know, but I'll see what I can find out. And Jim says thanks, and I appreciate that very, very much. Well, what about controversy in the garden, huh? What kind of the the arguments go this time? Which tomatoes come in first? Which tomatoes do you like first? Which do you like best? I don't know. It's pretty much all about your opinion. Now, for those of you who don't know, Will is here today, and Will is a budding gardener. We say that because he would like to be a better gardener than he is, and of course he's come to the right place (laughs) since he had to come to work. (laughs) What's Mm -hmm. on your mind, sir?
2: I have a, what I believe is called creeping juniper. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I may be be. mistaken. And it has creeped and creeped and creeped, (laughs) and I've lived at this where i live now uh for about soon be two years and uh the first year i was so busy doing everything else i didn't get to properly prune things uh this year i'm trying to do a little bit better at it i got out there early this spring and did a little bit of pruning uh what do i need to do i don't mind this plant it does do some good ground cover Mm -hmm. but i need to get it under control and it is starting to grow underneath the ground. That's another thing that's kind of weird. I pull I – sometimes yeah. when I'm mowing, I have these plants and I, I, these branches of it, and I move it out of the ground, and I realize that it has grown underneath the ground. Mm-hmm. Is that creeping jun- – number one, is that creeping juniper? Probably. Probably. And what do I do to get it under control?
10: Does it – do you have one main base of it, or is it a lot of different plants?
2: It's a lot of – it's become a lot of different okay, ones. Okay,
10: good. That's easier to deal with. Um in that case, anywhere that you're having the problem of the with the mower hitting the things, you can dig those up and move them, put them somewhere else, throw them away, whatever you want to do. But you do want to make try to establish an edge where you want the thing, look at it and decide where you want it to stop and give yourself a sharp edge there. Okay. And then that will make it easier. And I will tell you, let it be a little bigger than you think you need it to be simply because usually the junipers taking over where the area is a little bit shady and the lawn's not going to actually grow up in there so find your happy medium and give it an edge and then just maintain it either by mowing or by weed eating or even by putting in a piece of edging um if you if you want it to be that formal it's if you if you like the way it looks with a formal edge on it that certainly helps but it can be done without that if you prefer a softer look so it's it's wonderful plant though um, the only thing that anybody really runs into with them is if they get over dry and they begin to turn brown in the center somewhere, you know, f- mm-hmm. the middle of a branch starts dropping. You have to kind of look and make sure you don't have a problem with insects. But usually it's usually they're terrific. I mean, I, I love that plant. I'm, I'm a big fan of junipers anyway, and I really do like the creeping ones. There's a, there are a couple of other ones that are. I think particularly beautiful, you know, I have, but I have the one that you're talking about um, that just sort of sprawls all over the place, and it's a it's a nice plant. It's in an area where it doesn't get too much sun, so it's not growing as fast as anything else there. But the lawn itself would not grow there. So I think you've got a good choice.
2: Okay. That and monkey grass, that's the only thing. My monkey, The monkey grass, whoever planted it before just went crazy with it. Yeah, and it's
10: they usually do. Yeah. Um if 3 flats will do they buy 6 <laughs> and put in that many plants. Now, I will tell you in in their defense my, my one of my very best and most respected landscape architect friends says if you do not plant thickly it doesn't look like you planted. Uh, and so the understanding has to be that you come back later and take some out. And that's all you have to do. Okay. Take out every other one.
2: <laughs> Those are my two
10: main things. You know. Well, and the other thing that somebody else will tell you is just get out your weed eater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Knock that stuff down. Because you can walk on it. That's the other benefit of true monkey grass is that it's it's walkable. You can, you know, drive a car on it and it's still going to spring yeah. back the next year. It won't have a problem. <laughs> so that's not a bad thing. But I, I have... Uh, I have too much of it in one place and not enough in another. <laughs> so I understand that particular problem. I know that there's a lot going on in your garden, and whenever you do need advice, I appreciate you tuning in here. First of all, of course, during the week when I'm not here, you can always get in touch with me, Mama, on Air at yahoo.com. And there's also another way to get in touch with me. That is through Patreon.com slash Mama. And that's where you can join the crowd. You can join my gang. You can join my community, however you want to call it. Um, It's a strong group of people who are kind enough to support me, but also who support sustainable gardening and alternative forms of pest control and the things that that I'm into. So come to Patreon and, and join us over there as well. Okay? Stanley, welcome into Weekend Gardening. I see that you are north of Holly Springs. What a nice place.
14: Yes, ma'am. What's on your mind? Uh, we have some Indian hot dogs
15: mm-hmm.
10: that
14: were hurt, hurt pretty bad during the freeze. Yeah, and uh, the lower limbs seem to be greening up pretty good, but the some of the top ones are not greening up. Mm-hmm. The stems, are, the stems are still flexible. Uh, I was just wondering, do we need to to cut those back just a little bit to see if they'll. On new leaves
10: or leave them alone? Yes, sir. I would do some pruning now. This is the point, of course, where Indian hawthorns would be in bloom, or pretty shortly they would be, and then we do prune them after that anyway. So since we've let them recover from the freeze and they do have some green leaves on them, now the time to do a little pruning. As you say, the only thing to look for is to look at down at the base of each individual shrub, and if the base is cracked, you know, if, it, if you see a crack in the, the the stem itself or the the bottom base of the plant down at ground level that's the worst part of the freeze damage and it is probably not going to be any good to help to prune them it may they just may not be able to grow back but as long as they're not split and they've got some green on them there's every chance they're going to come back around i would do the pruning now though i think you're on the right track Okay. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let me know how it works. I hope they come out well. I do love Indian hawthorns, but I, I have said this before, and if you weren't with me, um sometimes we just worry about them too much. The prettiest ones you'll ever see are in the median coming into somebody's neighborhood, okay, where hardly anybody fools with them. Or, for example, we have a closed business across from the radio station here, and every Saturday I look at those things. They're twice as big as they were when the store was open, and then full tilt bloom there for a few weeks ago. Just gorgeous, but we don't think of that. And so as a result, we end up not doing what they need, which is, Regular water, regular fertilizer, just a little bit of pruning. Sometimes we put those plants down and we decide, well, we need this to be a two-foot-tall plant. When actually it was grown to be a four-foot-tall plant, so it's a little bit troubling to to the plant, and it cannot cannot always recover. But if they're not split at the bottom, they do have a chance to come back to whatever they were doing, just prune a little bit off. There are new varieties, and that is always why I encourage you Shop around when you're looking for some shrubs particularly. You know, you may feel like today's the day I'm going to plant the tomatoes. i got to rush out there and grab them. And I understand that. It's a good day, good weather, whatever it is. But when you're planting shrubs, you're planting for a long time. So do a little bit of research and decide what you want. There are Indian hawthorns, just like there are azaleas, just like there are pitosporums, just like there are abelias, that don't get more than three feet tall. Okay, they're just bred that way. And that's really perfect Then any pruning you're doing is in terms of inches rather than feet, you know, to try and get things uh, pruned off. By the way, for those of you who joined me in the wild and crazy pruning of the chase tree this winter, I've been waiting for the, uh, oh, yeah, I pruned it and then it froze and now it's dead. Thanks a lot, Garden Mama. That didn't help much. No, no they're all coming back out even mine i pruned deeply and it it is really coming out and it's going to be lovely the thing was too tall i had let it go too far and now it's it's at a much better level and something that i can enjoy and maybe even see the flowers they won't be up over my head It's a wonderful plant to have, though. You know, in the summertime, it's very difficult to find trees that bloom. And the vitex or the um, chase tree or agnus castus, whichever you want to call it, it's a popular tree. It's got lots of names. That's going to be that blue flowered or pink flowered or something in between there flowered tree that is such a pollinator uh, favorite in the summertime lance says uh i was wondering why all my azalea leaves got eaten off last fall do i need to spray them they were just planted in june yes you you have experienced and you probably didn't see them but if you'd been out there you would have seen some caterpillars about as big as your little finger with bright orange heads they're adorable they'll also eat your azaleas to death all right so what you need to do is go out, if you haven't already done this, go out right now, rake everything out from underneath them, to be sure we're not continuing the the life cycle of those creatures right right underneath your plants. Put on some fresh mulch, and if you haven't um, if you haven't pruned them. It's it's probably a good idea as soon as they finish blooming to prune them. They're new plants. They only went in last summer. You still want to take just a little bit off. You would you you never want to put you never want to take more than a third of the size of an azalea at one time. But you can take almost that much now. If they're having trouble growing the leaves back, it would probably be a wise idea. That's tough though. Ooh. We love our azaleas, and so do the azalea caterpillars. You know that they have a favorite plant when their name has the plant's name in it. It's really funny. Oh, my goodness. we got so much to talk about. We've got things on the text line. We've got calls coming in today. Thank you all very much for that. I've got tips. I've got news. And good grief, we ought to talk about Will's Garden some more. We like to rag on stuff, you know, complain, give people some lessons. Stick around, this is Weekend Gardening. garden mama here to ask what about your trees hmm everybody like me who has big trees in their landscape needs a tree service and mine is matthews tree service the metro area's oldest residential tree service they're licensed insured and ready to consult with you about damaged trees and healthy ones too listen to your mama now and call matthews for free estimates in the greater jackson metro area call 601-316-8584 matthews tree service
8: Hey, y'all. I'm Kayla Clark with Ace Bolton Screw Company. We have been locally owned and owner operated for over 50 years. Come see our newly expanded store for all your tool needs. Our goal is to serve you and help you get the job done right with some of our power and hand tools from the biggest brands but without the big box prices. DeWalt, Milwaukee, Makita, Channel Lock, Irwin, and Lennox, to name a few. Ace Bolton Screw Company, proudly, locally owned and operated. Jackson, Tupelo, Atlanta, and Gluckstadt.
15: Since 1920, many great beginnings in Mississippi have begun with a diamond from Britain's jewelers. Since then, we've changed in many ways, except in our commitment to our customers. Hi, I'm John Albritton. At All Britons we realize how important a diamond is to you. That's why our trained gemologist inspects every stone we sell. Whether you're buying your first diamond or celebrating your 25th anniversary, you can be confident of our quality and value. Come see why, since 1920, the people of Mississippi have chosen All Britons as their diamond store. Family Termite is a proud VIP sponsor of the Handyman Show on Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Mississippi's Handyman Buddy
15: Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon. This hour of weekend gardening is brought to you locally in part by The Tractor Store, your Mahindra dealer on Highway 49 south in Richland. The Tractor Store is proud to sell Mahindra, the world's number one tractor. The Tractor Store, your farm and lawn equipment destination.
10: Thank you so much for deciding that weekend gardening is part of your life. I appreciate you more than I can say. And guess what? we got more gardeners than ever before. The pandemic certainly left a lot of people at home looking around for something to do, and a bunch of them started gardens, as we all know and have seen and heard here and everywhere else in our communities. But nobody's slowing down that's why the seed companies have still got back orders that's why when you go to buy plants they may not have the one you're looking for but they might have another one to suggest to you they're all scrambling trust me and they're there's going to be the right plant for you in the right place i'll be talking about things that go together in container gardens and container plants combo pots if you will this coming wednesday in leland with my friends there um, I'm, I'm really happy to tell you that uh, this is this is one of those events that's been a long time coming. This was originally booked in 2019 for 2020, and then it was booked again in 2020, and now it's 2021, and I will finally be having a wonderful time with my friends at the Leland Deer Creek Garden Club. Thanks to the folks here at Super Talk, and particularly thanks also to the folks at the Leland Progress, uh, the newspaper there is bringing me to town so that's delight really sweet of them i'm also very excited um to tell you that coming up on may the 15th at 8 a.m i'll be in person alive somewhere that's right at 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 a place where where who would who where would we jump out for the first remote after all of this well it's going to be, happily to tell you, at Ace Bolton's crew in Gluckstadt, and the Rock and Roll Handyman will be there, too. So come and see us on May the 15th. We're going to have fun. Uh, I I have to say I've missed being on the road. I miss seeing y'all, and um, I miss just, I, I really, I, I've, what I think I've actually missed more than anything else is the wonder of it. Because you don't ever know what's going to happen. And it's it's a great challenge for a professional to be in an environment that you can't control. (laughs) So it's fun. (laughs) It keeps me on my toes. I think everybody enjoys a remote, too. You get to see what I look like. And trust me, I actually look better than I did the last time you saw me. Now, there's a joke, but I'm happy to tell you. Terry and Boguchitta, beautiful roses. I tell you what, we have got some gorgeous, gorgeous roses. Somebody asked me... um, If there's a a small rose, they were looking for small roses that would stay small. And I have to say, I have not grown it yet, but I did notice that the folks at Knockout Roses have done something really, really smart. They've made a petite. They've made one that stays small. I'm going to get one, put it in a container and see how it does. I knew they were out there, but I I hadn't come upon one in my own travels until just lately because I haven't traveled anywhere. So it's a a beautiful plant, and I, I don't... i I really can see that they would be a big popular flower to have in a bucket you know well a fancy container next to your front door because it wouldn't get so huge it would be the flowerful thing that you want but it's not necessarily going to be as odd looking as a knockout rose that can get to be as big as your car if you're not careful okay here's a good one um let me see what are we eat? what are we eating here This is a rose, I think. I'm looking at the plant, which it's hard to tell. Yeah, there it is. Beautiful green leaves, and the leaves start getting spots, and they drop off. Yes, you have black spot. It happens every year. It's called black spot because it makes black spots. It's the name of the fungus that makes those black spots. Some rose varieties get it and are going to always have it every year unless you spray with a regular program of fungicide to to protect the leaves. That's why they make combination products for roses that have fertilizer and and insecticide and fungicide in them because there's so many of the roses that will have all of those needs at the same time. However, there are folks who will say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pick the roses. I'm going to get roses that don't need spraying. So if you decide to do that, there's a whole world of roses out there. But if this one is dear to you, and I imagine it is because you keep trying to get it to grow, I would go and get a bottle of, well, it's going to be a jug, of Rose Care Super Duper container that's got the insecticide, the fungicide, and the fertilizer in it. And send me a note in about six weeks. I think you'll have leaves again. Hard problem. Can't get over it. We can deal with it, though. And I have to tell you that I don't grow in roses that get black spot. The roses that I have get black spot when it's really, really rainy. I have a couple that will get a little bit of it. And as soon as those leaves fall off or I go to pluck them off, I get them out of the garden. I don't want that there anytime. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, I don't know if you know big leaf um, uh, magnolia, but here's a picture of one in full bloom from Amanda in Pike County. That's lovely. I love that plant. That's one of the plants that you see and you feel like you're in Jurassic World because the leaves are literally as long as from your waist to the ground. I don't care how tall you are. I mean, this is a huge leaf tree. It doesn't look like it should be you know, next to that pin oak or next to that other thing that looks normal. And they are unusual because of that. Pawpaw trees have that same effect on people because they have a different coloration to their leaves. They just, they look out of place sometimes. And that's part of the joy, I think. That's what we call contrast in design. We always hope that it's going to be that way. Um, Winona, leaves have black spots and yellowing on roses. Again, it's going to be time for the, Mixed bag, the the, the bucket of or the jug or bucket, depending on how many roses you have, it'll you can buy it in either form, but it's going to be a product. It's a combination product for roses. It's going to have an insecticide. It's going to have a fungicide, and it's also going to have fertilizer in it. And yes, we can. If you're if you're growing um, ten or more hybrid tea roses, you already know what I'm talking about, and you feel like I'm giving these people too simple of an answer. But they got one rose bush. I'm not going to tell them to set up with a two-gallon sprayer and three different products and an investment that takes once every week to do. I'm not going to do that because guess what? It won't work, and they'll come back and say, It didn't work. That's because I gave you the wrong... I mean, it's like any kind of an assignment, all right? If you tell me that what I need to do is hem those pants, I can do that. If you tell me that I need to first knit the lace collar and then make the blouse and then knit the... you know, No, I'm not going to be able to do all that. You have to look at things in the way that they work. And frankly, for one or two rose bushes, the combination products have everything that you need. And I like that. Um, And will I repeat the name of that? Okay. The... um, the products that i'm looking for you that i want you to look for are rose care all-in-ones there's a there's one by bayer for example that i think is even called three-in-one but it's in a jug and it's going to have insecticide fungicide and fertilizer in it all made specifically for use on roses okay every garden center has it and and trust me it makes a big difference if you were going to grow roses, um, a whole garden full of them, we would be talking about a different thing. But that's not what you're doing. So we're going to talk about it this way. I don't know if you all uh, watched any television, you know, because you're radio people happily. And I don't, I can't say that I watch as much. I, lately, you want to know what I've been listening to? Lately, I've been listening to. All the insane things going on in the UK. Those people are nuts. And no, I don't descend from the English, so I can say that with <laughs> a slight prejudice. <laughs> my, they, they taught us all about England, and they gave us all these English names, and then they said, by the way, you're actually from Wales and Ireland. You don't have any British people in your background. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> change my name. Anyway there there's an awful lot going on in the world of looking over there and to see what's going on over there. And one of the things that I'm fascinated by is their discussions of gardens because they, they don't really have garden. They have garden radio shows, but I don't listen to those. I listen to people who talk about other things and who happen to talk about their plants. And some of this is some of the most fun stuff, not because I want you to go listen to it, but because it informs me and lets me bring things to you. For example, nigella this was a discussion about the chef nigella who's famous and why would anybody name their child after nigella and of course the next person to converse says well they're all named after the flower which by the way is one of the most beautiful cut flowers that you will see right now in a a cut flower stand I'll bet you there's some, for example, at the High Street market in Jackson this very morning. um the flower growers of Mississippi grow them, and they are beautiful, beautiful flowers. But it's so funny to think that you would name a person you'd name a baby after a person, but actually you're naming the baby after the flower, so it's okay that that makes it all that makes it all work okay. Um, I was really fascinated to hear discussions of seaweed farming. And then I turned on something last week and saw a program about seaweed farming off the coast of Maine in the United States. I knew it was going to get past the West Coast. There's always been kelp farms there because there's such a large um, large amount of kelp first of all but there's also a very large community of people and the Asian market is close by so it's not that hard to figure out they would do that there but the coast of Maine is actually where the, all the action is now um, and the research that's going on is telling us not only about the nutritious parts of this whole thing if you've ever eaten seaweed you know that it's kind of salty kind of sea filled but it is very very nutritious and it can be delicious with other things like rice and such as that but i'm fascinated by the idea that we're going to farm it in the same way that we would farm anything else equally proteinaceous equally well it's, it's not that we're going to stop having cows and pigs and chickens and whatnot for protein. It's not that we're going to stop having beans and peas for protein. But we are going to add other sources because we're always trying to figure out the way of understanding how we can feed all these people on this earth without, frankly, going bankrupt or polluting things beyond where we can handle them. So nutrient pollution has done a terrible thing as we all understand and now it turns out that cultivating the seaweed helps to take up the excess nutrients so what i'm here to tell you is i want to know about seaweed production in the gulf of mexico to help ameliorate the dead zone let's go Y'all tell me about it. You know it's going to happen. You know there's somebody already doing it, but it has to be a secret. It's kind of like the farmed oysters. It's sort of a secret. <laughs> but we do that. <laughs> we don't want everybody to know all our business around here for sure. But, And that's a good thing. But I'm telling you, understanding the the work done in Marine Policy Journal, the ability of us to draw the nutrients from the water to provide the efficient, cost-effective solution to the areas that have too much unfortunate, harmful algae, that is to say, our dead zone. This work from the University of California, Santa Barbara, is going directly and even mentions the U.S. Gulf of Mexico as a place with huge amounts of property that would be appropriate for seaweed agriculture. I can't convert it fast enough in my head, but it is 63 square kilometers, 63,000 square kilometers when you give that a kilometers, anyway, the point is that's not as big as we measure the dead zone, but it is a good chunk of it. And if we can do something to help this happen, we would really be doing ourselves a big favor. You understand? A couple of weeks ago, the research was brought to us. To show us that in those fields that produce that excess nitrogen that runs off into the Gulf of Mexico that then turns into the algae bloom that is so harmful to everything that lives there. We understand now that the power of the wood chip is that they're lining the ditches around those big fields up in the upper Midwest with the wood chips because the wood chips Absorb and ameliorate those circumstances so much, so much less nitrogen gets into the flow in the first place. So if we can do that and then we can sequester it further in the Gulf with a seaweed operation, come on. We're we're Americans. We can solve this. This is not an insolvable problem, and it's probably money to be made, so that even makes it better. Think about that rich product. Once those wood chips are absolutely infused with all the excess nitrogen, that's going to grow something. Let's take it and put it somewhere else and grow something else in it. There's a way to do this. There's a way to make this. I've been hearing about the dead zone literally my entire life and efforts to take it apart, efforts to make it happen less. Some of it's simply no communication between the farmer and the water. You know what I mean? There's there's but the disconnect for a long time, and now we understand that these things have to work together. And we can fix it. We've got stuff that'll help it fix. Good heavens. I don't, there's no reason not to. Sandra on the text line says something's eating my roses. They make big holes in the leaves and then they eat the buds. What can I do? Well, I don't think you have a neighbor doing that, so. I'm gonna ask about two things. There's, there's slugs and snails that will crawl right up there and poke a, you know, round hole in the leaf and they will also crawl up onto the bud and chew the bud. But there also are other caterpillars that will do that. So I'm gonna advise you to get First of all, a flashlight and go out there right after dark and see if you can see who's eating them. And then if that's if there's nobody there, then go before daylight in the morning. You're going to need your flashlight because as soon as it gets to be daylight, the slugs particularly will just disappear. You won't see them. You might see their slime trail on the leaf. You might not. So look for them, but you're going to have to do the early morning and late in the evening searching and looking otherwise you'd have seen them already and we'd be talking about what you got and what to control okay okay now more to come um we've got there's always avocados in the news but believe it or not we have gerbera daisies in the news that is a rare thing my friends and i'll tell you all about it here on weekend gardening turning 65 or new to medicare get a zero dollar premium medicare plan zero zip zilch humana can help making getting care more affordable with our zero dollar premium plans you'll enjoy all the benefits you've come to expect and more your dollar already has enough to do helping you with the budget is only right to learn more call 601-605-5130 to speak to your local humana sales agent
8: I'm Lauren McGraw with Gotta Go. I'm here to help you with anywhere you might need a bathroom because when you gotta go, you gotta go. Please call us at 601-879-3969 or look us up, gottagorentals.com.
10: Gosh, don't you wish you could do that? <laughs> ah, to have that touch on the guitar would be such a joy and a gift. And yes, Mr. Kotke, definitely, definitely that's a gift. No question about it. Good questions on the text line. That's a beautiful big leaf magnolia. I love the other question that followed along there um, from our other question about the roses, too, that uh, she has a limelight hydrangea and it is on the edge of the woods and does not bloom. Yeah, you're right. She says it. It it, does. It need full sun. Yes, there are hydrangeas, and then there are hydrangeas. We do not want to put French hydrangeas, the ones with the big round heads. Those need to be in part shade. But limelight's and so and, and many other hydrangeas. But limelight is representative of. The paniculata group, they're the ones that are able to take sunlight. And, um, I, one of my very favorite things that I ever did was to plant the limelight in the front of the bed and with, with the blue hydrangeas behind it in the shade. I actually like the way that looks. But then I'm kind of a hydrangea person. So it might be too much hydrangea for a lot of people. They do lose most of their leaves. The, the limelight particularly loses all of it. So it's kind of bare there for a while. But when they come back, there's especially dramatic. What could be eating my strawberries before they are ripe? Um, possums, um, <laughs> any number of things actually. <laughs> any kind of, all the scavengers will will do that. The, the squirrels will not usually eat them. The squirrels will usually throw them because they're not sweet. Um, but if you had holes in them, we would say slugs and snails because that's more most common at this time of the year. But if they're actually being eaten wholesale before they get ripe, it's it's. Not likely an armadillo. It's more likely a possum. Mike in Houston, what's going on, sir?
13: By the way, I do play the guitar that way.
10: Well, God bless you.
13: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a long time, though, here, like, like last week. Okay, I am uh, working up my uh, potting soils and stuff like a potting mix, stuff like that, uh, as we speak. Can we store those, like, in a 25-gallon drum with a lid on it? Sure excess Sure. I'm. I'm not putting any kind of fertilizer in it right now. I'll do it when I get ready to pot. The, mm-hmm. the pot.
10: I do my mixes and put I them just, in five gallon buckets with tops on them because I can't pick up that twenty five gallon. <laughs> well,
13: on my mixing on my mixing table, I got pots all around it, so I'm not gonna pick them up. I'm mm-hmm. just, just sh- shovel in it.
10: And, yep, yep, that makes sense. I think you got it. Just be sure you got a cover on it because you don't want it to get. Oh wet. yes, yeah.
13: Uh, I'm using some of those salt lick, uh, uh, like for, for cattle. They're big, 25, like a like a planter,
3: mm-hmm. big. Mm-hmm. And
13: uh, I got so much. Oh, I got 50 to my uh, gallons of uh, dirt I tilled up, and I'm mixing it with my pot and soil, and not, not pot and soil, but topsoil, and uh, perl- uh, perlite, and some sand.
10: That sounds is wonderful. Very good comment. It sounds to me like you're going to have everything you need to grow everything. That's great. Next year. Yep. I even got yep, yep. navy. <laughs> well, yeah, That's me better. too. Me too, but I'm not bragging about it. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> yes, I looked over there yesterday and went, oh, yeah, it's back. Mm hmm. Always is. Good question from New Hope. Is it too late to begin vegetable gardens and pots? No, indeed. This is the perfect time for. You, you literally are well ahead of the second planting, and you're actually in the midst of when you can be doing an awful lot of wonderful things. I would love to see you start squash and, and, and to be to go ahead and start whatever you can find in plants at the garden center because if you're not able to get them to bear before the summer gets too hot, they will grow on all the way through the summer and into the fall. So, yes, absolutely get started. I think I'm all for that. Um Let's see, this is a, a Molly's in Columbus. This is a citrus tree. It looks to me like you have leaf miners, and um, I'm going to tell you to look at um, the MSU Cares has a good publication about citrus leaf miners in particular, but it's a little bit harder to find. And, yes, since I already did reference Blake Layton today, I don't feel bad about telling you that there's a really good one at LSU dot com or org and uh because the leaf miners are a particular thing you got to pick them off you got to treat the tree and it's going to take some neem or something like that all depending on the temperature that you're working in but yeah you've got you've got a leaf miner problem mike's in batesville he's got slugs eating the hostas oh yeah they keep coming back yes there is a better way to control them than picking them off it's called diatomaceous earth um you can find it everywhere you can it's a, it's a garden way product for example at Lowe's you don't have to go somewhere exotic or or any you know order it off from somewhere everybody's got it because people have come to understand that that is a wonderful product to put even for example if you have slugs that get on your back door you know, in the shade like that. that it's underneath your steps, for example, you can put diatomaceous earth. Don't get the stuff for the swimming pools. Get the stuff for the garden. And uh, you'll be glad that you did. It, it works real well. You just circle each of those little plants that you plant. Might be petunias, might be basils, might be hostas, any number of things. What diatomaceous earth is, is a fossilized micro... Well, it's a fossilized ancient sea creature, okay? And when they harvest them, they crush them up so that they have really micro fine particles that are that are crushed that are as sharp as razor blades to the body of a slug now I wear gloves because you never know when you have a cut on your hand for example I have a paper cut today that's about to drive me crazy but you you never know what's on your hands or in your cuts and you don't want to get that stuff under your fingernails particularly because it might irritate you not because it's dangerous it just might be an irritant so wear your gloves put the diatomaceous earth out there and if you're one of those people that all of these things drive you sad, you you don't like the idea of a slug having its body shredded up, I want to encourage you to get a grip and realize that we are gardeners and you don't have to be afraid of any of these things. It's okay. There are millions more. You're not going to commit genocide, I promise. But you are going to be able to grow your hostas or whatever it else it is that you might be growing. Okay, okay. I have so much happening in my garden right now. I've got. To, I have to tell you that the dianthus are still blooming, the iris are still blooming, the phlox is still blooming. I have a feeling that the heat index coming up here in the next two days, rolling well over 80 in my backyard, that's going to be the end of them. <laughs> that's going to be, they're going to finish. Now, the Asiatic lilies are coming on. The basil is growing. The tomatoes are growing. Those are all really very, very good things. And I'm just about to start setting out um, probably, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to put out some other flowers, but I don't know exactly what yet. I've got a sestrum and I've got some other perennials but i really want to put a few annuals in so i could use your advice you can send me a note uh, mama on air at yahoo.com and tell me all about what you're doing what you're getting ready for and and what's working and what's not um the third story that i promoted in this week's all things uh garden mama weekly is a fascinating thing i have heard as a person who at 16 years of age, was marched into the doctor's office and given diet pills. I can tell you that this is a lifelong quest for healthy living, healthy eating, and healthy exercise to put them all together. I had had a bad injury to my knee, and suddenly all those calories I was consuming when I was an avid sports person no longer worked, and they took me in for the pills. Well, they didn't know not to do that. Okay, They really didn't know not to. And so over the years, I've tried just about everything. One of the things I have tried is intermittent fasting. I found some good results from it, but it really irritated me. I'm going to tell you now, though, Baylor College of Medicine, and we love them over there, fasting does lower blood pressure by reshaping your gut microbiota. For those of you who know that gardening takes guts, and those of you who are committed to fasting intermittently, You've now got another argument, and you can thank Garden Mama for it, because I'm going back to it myself. Let's lower our blood pressure. Let's get out in the garden. Stay busy. Come back again next week. Thank you so much for your attention today on Weekend Gardening.
9: Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of Telesouth South Communication.
8: Do you want that dream job? Do you need the right skills and credentials to get there? Did you know more than 2,000 students have taken advantage of the My Best program for free? Contact your local community college to learn more about the My Best program. Take charge of your life and make your dreams a reality by attending a Mississippi community college. I'm Dr. Andrea Mayfield, Executive Director of the Mississippi Community College Board.
2: Funding for this ad provided by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation.